is good to uh, be here with you this morning. Thought I was going to be okay until Brother Steve played, and that's still okay. Um, just make one little note here this morning before we get started. Um, some of you up front uh, might not know why there is some whispering going on in the back, okay? Um, I found out that we have a visitor, and I can remember his name. His name is Harold. Um, and those of you that know me know that's my dad's name. And so um, we're wanting Harold to get the message this morning, so somebody's going to help him. He told me out in the hall, he said he knows a little bit of English. I told him I know about this much English and this much Spanish. So um, they're helping him get a, a, a grasp of what I say this morning, and so that's fine. It's amazing how God works. Um, I keep saying this, maybe I'll look at the Sunday school lesson before I get ready, but uh, I didn't, and that's okay, because the direction I'm planning to go this morning is maybe a little bit of a flip side of what we had in our Sunday school lesson, uh, but it still applies. And part of it comes from uh, what we've experienced in the last couple of weeks. How many of you remember what I preached on May the 30th of 2021? It was, I think it was Communion Sunday. Alright, I'll give you the title. Genuine or Veneer? Now I just about used the same title this morning, but I'm going to go a different direction. So I have down in here, Genuine or Fake? And I have as a subtitle, Best Foot to London. How many of you recognize that statement? Or what it applies to? Alright, till I'm done, I think you'll understand. Maybe I should have started here, but I'll put this in here now. So, we do thank you for your prayers, for your cards, for your notes, for your words of encouragement and sympathy. Um, we're at peace with God's timing. March 11 of this year, they found a tumor in Daddy. May 11, he's gone. Two months. I knew Daddy personally for 50 years at least. I mean, I knew about him before that. The man I knew 50 years ago was not the same man I took care of last Sunday. The man I knew 50 years ago was not 
the man he became in the last 30 years of his life. I believe God worked on Dad and his response to that work in his life. And he responded to that work in his life. God worked through very difficult and trying times in his life. Working with a disabled wife for 20 years plus. Losing a son and a wife in 33 days. And Daddy responded to that. Because see, we saw a change in Daddy a long time ago. And that made this last week a whole lot easier. We didn't see a drastic change in Daddy two months ago when he got that pronouncement. We didn't see a drastic change in him when the 30th of April the doctor told him we might not be here in 90 days. Because he'd already let God work and it had affected his life. My concern is this. And when I finished this sermon up, I didn't know about Ray Shank, okay? I went to school with Ray. I don't know how his family feels about his passing because I don't know of Ray's life. My concern is that our life is in tune with God now because it affects our eternal destination. Part of what spurred this message is a conversation we had with a man that came through the line on Friday. This man was actually, it's a relative. And he said, I know three men, and one of them was his dad, that, um, and he said that it's hard for him to deal with the harshness he grew up with and the very end of their lives because he didn't experience the tenderness of their last days in his life. I don't feel that way about Daddy. Yes, we could have experienced some better days. His children in particular could have experienced better days back then. Daddy taught him a lot of good things that have benefited them and will benefit them through a long time, for a long time. But he was struggling dealing with the tenderness he saw in his dad at his end that was not there in his life. He felt he missed out on some things. And he said all three of those men he mentioned were similar in that kind of thing. There's a quote that I came across some time ago. It says, The man I am when no one else is watching is the man that I really am. Well, I'll take it a little farther. The man I am when I'm at home in the 
house with my family is the man I really am. Now, I thought maybe some of my family would be here this morning. That's okay, because they would tell you things were different at our house than what they were out in public. And I'm sorry about that, because I failed in this. Some of you might have grown up with the saying that, you know, sort of let your hair down in certain situations. That's the person you really are. Proverbs 26, a couple of verses here say, Fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross. He who hates disguises it with his lips, lays up deceit within himself. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him. For there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. What you say at home will one day come out. I have a story I'm going to try to tell. I debated whether to get the children up here, but uh, it's it's about a senior in high school. I heard this story when we were listening with our children, I don't know how many years ago, and I went out and dug it out of an old trash bag yesterday to find it and listen to it again, because it's on a cassette tape. Y'all know what that is? And the player still worked, and I was able to listen to it. But it takes a little while for me to get it down. And it would work good to have had about three girls and a couple of guys to voice the parts, but I'll try to get it so that you can understand who's saying what. But this brings out a vivid picture of what I fear is too much the home life of some Mennonite homes. Joanne Bradley was a beautiful, well-liked senior in high school. They were about to elect a class president, and some girls were talking, and they said, well, who do you think will be the class president? They said, well, Joanne will. Because she's one of the prettiest girls she had ever seen. She was beautiful, nice, friendly, everything a class president should be. She always has a smile and a kind word for everyone. She is so nice and I like her so well that I hope she gets the best of everything. Nice girl. When the announcement was made, the principal said the winner was one of the most popular people in school. The girl said, Joanne did get it. The principal went on and said, he was a straight-A student. Joanne didn't get it. It's some boy. Carl was announced as the principal, as the president of the senior class said he was a straight-A student, and that made the faculty happy. When Carl and Joanne met, 
in the hallway one day, Joanne had campaigned to be the class president against Carl. Carl thought maybe she would be upset that she didn't get it. But Joanne said, no, I'm glad you're the president. The majority of the class wanted you to be president, and I'm glad you're there. So you're not angry? Well, no, I'm not angry. She assured him that she wanted to win, but that the majority of the class wanted him, and so she was glad about that. When one of the girls expressed sorrow that Joanne hadn't gotten it, she said, well, Carl will make a better president than I would. She said, I don't mind him being president because he had so many friends and that is what counts. Some girls said, well, somebody as popular as Joanne would certainly be stuck up, but Joanne wasn't stuck up. She was the first to volunteer when teachers asked for help with papers after school. She's that way in all the classes I have. She has, and she's an unusual girl. Plans were made to have a senior day. And they needed to choose a queen for senior day. Rather than letting them campaign for that queen position, they took a vote right away. Joanne was unanimously voted in as queen of senior day. And this is what some of them said. There is only one real queen in the whole school and you know who she is. And they were talking about Joanne. Joanne checked out a library book, and I'm not opposed to library books, okay? But Joanne checked out a library book that was recommended to her, and she couldn't wait to read this book. She got home with that book, and her little brother Dick was there and said, Joanne, I need some help with my wagon handle. Oh, go on, I'm busy, leave me alone, she said. Please, Joanne, he said. Quit bothering me. I'm busy. If you don't quit bothering me, I'm going to put you out and lock the screen door. He begged one more time, and she put him out and locked the screen door. Mother came in soon, and here was little Dick out there on the porch crying. And he wanted, she wanted to know what's wrong. Joanne, won't help me fix my wagon. Mother went to get it go in the house and the door was locked. She called Joanne to come to the door to open it. She had to call twice because she was engrossed in her book. Mother questioned Joanne about these happenings. Dick keeps bothering me, she said. I can't get done with my work. Oh, your schoolwork? No, I'm reading a book, a good book. 
and I can't get it done because Dick is bothering me. Mother, um, I'm trying to think how to say this, emphatically told Joanne to go out and fix the wagon for Dick, and she did. check to make sure I'm keeping things in right sequence. Um, Joanne muttered something like this, why can't people stop asking me to do stuff all the time? I don't have any time for myself. Remember what I said about Joanne a little while ago, right? Okay. When she came in from fixing the wagon, she noticed that her mother looked extremely tired, but she went into the other room and curled up on the couch with her book. She heard mother getting dinner ready. She smelled the food getting cooked. She thought about how hungry she was. She complained and she wished mother wouldn't be so pokey at getting supper ready. Mother called her to set the table. She didn't answer at first. Mother called again. She complained that she didn't have any time for herself and wondered why she had to always set the table. Isn't there another soul in the whole world that can do anything but me, she asked? Mother said, I only asked you to set the table. Well, you're always asking me to do things. Just when I get to the most interesting part of the book. Mother informed Joanne that the most important thing right then was to have a hot meal ready when Daddy came home from work. From a hard day at work. When no one ever has a hot meal ready for me when I come home from a hard day at school, was her reply. After dinner, she complained about needing to do the dishes and wondered why she was the only one that could do anything. When Father asked her to go get something, her reply was that she wanted to get back to her book and that she had oodles of homework to do. Soon after she curled up on the couch to read her book again, the phone rang. Never mind, Mother, I'll get it, was her response. Mother um, was startled at the sudden change in Joanne as Joanne talked to a classmate on the phone. Mother tried to figure out how to help her daughter overcome her selfishness, and she talked to her father to father Joanne's father to see what could be done. This was what father said. Joanne has probably figured out that at home we have to love her and tolerate her bad temper. She's part of a family and can't be expelled, so we have to put up with her regardless of how she chooses to act. With others it's different. She has no claim in their affection or their power to tolerate her. 
So out of necessity, she's got to be nice and kind and do all these other things if she wants to have friends and get along in life. So they didn't have an immediate answer for her problem. One day Mrs. Turner, I'm sorry, Mrs. Bradley, met Mr. Turner, one of Joanne's teachers from school, and he started telling Mrs. Bradley how, how pleased she must be to have a daughter like Joanne. The teacher said, I've never had in all my years a student like Joanne. Mother's response was, I'm sure that's right. He said he enjoyed having her in class and that Joanne seemed to make everything brighter. He thought the other students were better for knowing her. My Joanne does all that, said Mother. She's a charming girl, he continued, well behaved, knows her lessons well. She sets a wonderful example to the other boys and girls. She's an inspiration to me as a teacher. He continued, that is why she was chosen as Queen of Senior Day. Mother said, Queen of what? You see, said Mr. Turner, that's your Joanne. Um, your daughter is so modest, she didn't even tell her parents that she had been chosen queen. And he said, that's true modesty. Mother was flabbergasted. She said, she didn't tell Mr. Turner this, but she said, there are two Joannes. Mr. Turner wished to come and visit the Bradleys, and they invited him one evening. When Mr. Turner got to the house, um, the Bradley parents offered to call Joanne. He said, no. He said, I came to learn to know Joanne's parents. So they sat down and had a nice little visit. Just as Mr. Turner was getting ready to leave, he asked if Joanne might still be awake. And they said, well, I'm sure she is. So dad called twice, no answer. Mother called once and no answer. She called a second time. And this is what Mr. Turner heard. What do you want? Mother said, come here a minute, please. Joanne replied, what do you want with me this late? I thought you already found everything there was for me to do. I have only six more pages to the end of my book, and you have to call me. Why on earth was I ever born? They say people born the month I was born were born to be slaves. Well, that's me, all right. And then she sees Mr. Turner. After Mr. Turner left, she turns to Mother and says, Mother, why did you embarrass me like that before Mr. Turner? You should have told me he was coming, but no, you had to go and let me dis disgrace myself. Now what will you think? Everyone but my own mother and father and brother treat me like a queen. Mother's response was, a true queen acts like a queen in every circumstance and all times. 
Eternal will think I'm the most horrible and meanest girl in the whole world. Mother said, does that matter any more than if your brother and father and mother think that you are that kind of girl? Mrs. Bradley said that her mother told her that some young some people always manage to put their best foot to London. So there you have the phrase, best foot to London. You don't care how unhappy and miserable you make home for us, but when it is someone from outside the home, you strain every nerve in an effort to create a good impression. I'm going to stop there just a little bit. I'm just about done with this story. This is talking about a high school senior. Unfortunately, I've seen it come from this side of the house as well. I've seen parents that people outside the house think they are the most wonderful people that ever walked the face of this earth. If they only knew what went on inside those walls, the picture is much different. Joanne, getting back to this story, Joanne went to her room and did some serious thinking. That night, she had a change of heart. The next morning when Mother called, she nearly dropped the spoon she was stirring breakfast with because of Joanne's sweet response. Joanne got up and she was grateful for her clean clothes in the closet. She was grateful for that meal that Mother had prepared for her. And she faced that day and the days forward determined that home was London and that her best foot would be pointed that direction. Like I said, I've been guilty. By the grace of God, I want to be, want to have my home as London and my best foot there. Matthew 23 says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you, are out, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And to our shame, I've seen it in Mennonite homes. Galatians 6, 7. I'm, debating with all, yeah, let, I'm going to say this. I don't know of anybody here that fits this category, but I also don't know what goes on inside your walls. So, um, We've heard another, another comment. Um, it's not my job to convict anybody or step on anybody's toes, but I'll just use another comment that's been used many times. If the shoe fits, wear it. 
Galatians 6, verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I've considered that last verse maybe in a little different way the last number of years. I really sometimes wonder, and I thought about this in Sunday school class, but I didn't say anything because I didn't want to go there with where the message was going to go. I really wonder if that isn't sometimes the way we treat our fellow Christians. We maybe treat those that are in the world a little better than we treat our brothers and sisters. Maybe we better put a little more effort into meeting the needs, doing good to the household of faith. And I'll bring it a little closer home. And I don't think this is doing injustice to Scripture. need to concentrate on doing good especially to our household Proverbs 26-23 fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross looks beautiful but it's just a bunch of clay inside Verse 24, he who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. Or like Joe Lanz was to Mr. Turner. close with some verses from James 3 because a lot of times the things that are experienced at home that are not proper are with this little member here James 3 starting at verse 7 verse 7 Every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. I'm going to 
go back up to verse 9 and bring it down into the context of where we are here this morning. Therewith bless we our neighbor, and therewith curse we our family. That's what happens too many times. Verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have better envyings and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Joanne's mother was confused when she met Mr. Uh, Joanne's mother was confused when she met Mr. Turner. See, mother knew one Joanne. Mr. Turner knew another, and she was confused. Verse 17: The wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. It's sincere. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. I trust you're not in the situation of Joanne and her family. It was a joy to lay daddy to rest knowing that he wasn't the same man he was 30 years ago. 30 years ago, I'm not sure what kind of a man he'd have been to take care of. But between 11 o'clock and quarter after 12 Sunday night, I think I was up six times. And I don't think there was a time that I got up with Daddy that he didn't say, I am so sorry I got you up again. You can have a London in your household. Put your best foot there. Let's have a song, please. <laughs>